You should be saving for the future. But savings accounts suck. And investing can be scary. We combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing. We call it Save Vesting, and it's only available in our new app, Stairs. Stairs offers 4-6% returns, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Do your future a favor. Visit StairsApp.com today. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on cranberry.fm, formerly webmasterradio.fm. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the director of SEO and social media for Advanced Digital. How are things? I'm really glad we're back. We missed last week and it really stressed me out. I missed doing this show last week. Yeah, I know, I know. It sucks when we miss anything, but uh, yeah. I'm glad we're back. There's no more delays. Yeah, no, and there's tons of stuff to talk about today. Yeah, we weren't sure at the beginning, but there uh, does seem to be now. All right, well, yeah, I know you wanted to start with the IELTS files, so why not? Go for it. Well, it's interesting because Gary Isles was out at the Google Dance Japan, which both of us really, really wanted to go to, but couldn't figure out a reason to justify the expense. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot to pay for just another T-shirt. It is. It is. But the, but the interesting awesome thing... Yeah, it would have been. It doesn't sound like this Google Dance was affiliated with a conference, does it? Was Do you know if it was affiliated with a conference? Not a clue. Yeah, because all the quotes we're getting, the, the two that we're going to talk about in the Isles files were from Gary Isles speaking at the Google Dance, which was really interesting to me. One of the things that he talked about was scraper sites and the links from scraper sites, right? We're all, we all have questions about that when someone scrapes your site or scrapes another site that has it, the page has a link to your site, is that a bad link and are you going to get banned and in trouble for it? Well, you can rest easy. Gary says you can ignore links from scraper sites. This is a quote from him. In general, we don't take manual action on you due to those kinds of links. And it's kind of reassuring, but at the same time, he doesn't say they discount them completely, right? He just says they're not going to take a manual action. Does it mean if it's a bad site linking to you, it might not affect the overall quality of your backlink profile from a algorithmic standpoint? What do you think, Ross? Uh, I take everything with a grain of salt. You know, they say in general because the Internet's just it's so it's such a behemoth. There's so many areas they could make mistakes in. And as a result, I wouldn't make it my priority to remove them, but I would, you know, maybe put them at the bottom of the pile. Yeah, make sure they're done for, at some point. Yeah, if you're looking for busy work for somebody on your staff, that's good busy work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Painful busy work, yes. You, you yes, won't be your favorite person. <laughs> Someone that did something that they need to be quote-unquote punished for, that would be a good task to use to uh, put them in their place, basically. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Not that that always means you're punishing them. You know, they could be good people. They're just doing their job. You know, you're just you know, putting uh, good people put... in their place? What kind of boss are you? <laughs> <laughs> a boss. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so the next one here is about rewriting title tags. And it's something we've all dealt with in the past. Uh, if, if, we've done any, if you've done any SEO, you've dealt with it. When Google doesn't like a title, 
uh, most of the time, thankfully, we only face this when we're dealing with our clients initially, you know, trying to fix sites. They've often got some horrible title tags. As a result, Google has rewrote them. And this is a, a quote, uh, I believe, you took from Gary? Yeah, it's from Gary. It's at the Q&A session at the Tokyo Google Dance, actually. Yeah. We will never quit rewriting titles. We've seen so many sites whose titles really suck. A lot of sites have no titles, and a lot of sites have a title saying top page. <laughs> so true. Or home. Yes, this. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Don't get me started. Yeah. Product yeah. page. Product. <laughs> yeah. Well, the worst is we lost a client a while ago to another company uh, locally, and I, I thought, okay, well, I'll go check up on it just for the sake of it. And uh, they'd supposedly been optimized. Their homepage said home. They didn't uh, even put page on it? Just home? Just home. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, not sure which is worse. It's just so head desk. It's, it's interesting to think, though. When Google rewrites these, there's a couple things to be aware of. One, they don't just look at the content of the page to determine what that title should be. Sometimes they'll rewrite a title tag based on the anchor text of the links pointing to that page. So it's really interesting. If you don't have a good <laughs> title tag, you can get some really crazy things. And then if you, have, if you just say home, sometimes the title tag that they create will change based on what the user's query was that they used to find your page, right? So it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't even stay consistent. It's, you just need to have good quality titles. What was the best? I try to remember. Google bombs have been a fantastic news piece. I've always enjoyed them, especially oh, the yeah. ones with Bush. Um, yep, that's the classic. Yeah, what was that again? What was it? So basically, a Google bomb, for those of you who don't know, is when you create a bunch of backlinks to a page with anchor text for a phrase or a word that doesn't appear on the page. And you can get that page to rank for a term that doesn't even appear on the page. And during his presidency, the George W. Bush ranked number one for the term miserable failure. That's <laughs> that right. Pointed, <laughs> and it pointed to his bio page on the whitehouse.gov site. And that term didn't appear anywhere on that page. <laughs> uh, I wonder so, how many times uh, Washington's tried to get a hold of someone at Google. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that was a manual fix. Most of the <laughs> Google bombs end up being manual fixes if they're, if they're caught. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I didn't finish the quote, did I? The rest of Gary's quote is, uh, in fact, Google almost always rewrites titles. We couldn't provide useful results to our users if we quit rewriting titles. Experiments showed us users preferred written titles, so we'll continue to write titles. How many times did he say titles? Wow. I don't know. I must be trying to fit them in there. And, and I think he meant to say experiments showed that users preferred rewritten titles as opposed yes. to home or homepage. But yeah. Makes sense. I just don't I like it when they that. rewrite titles that are accurate. And I'd say businesses prefer those as well if they're not smart enough to rewrite them themselves or they have a crappy SEO who doesn't know how to do that. You know, they're probably glad that Google rewrites those home and homepage titles because it's going to provide better click-throughs. They're going to actually get more traffic because of it. Yeah, yeah. If they don't have any SEO, at least they'll get something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully just to show them what they could be getting. But then again, who knows? All right, that is enough of the IELTS files. Next, we're on to Google Now. They're showing thumbnails um, for food results. Yeah, so Google started showing thumbnails for food results. There's a couple articles floating around in the, in the industry about this. One of them on, on Search Engine Roundtable. I think there's one on the SEM post about the fact that Google's showing thumbnails in results around food. 
And Barry over at the SEO Roundtable used the, the term zucchini. And you go search that term, and probably eight out of the ten results show a picture of zucchini or something. But almost every one of those results, except the top one, which was Wikipedia, I think, they were recipes about zucchinis. And I went and looked at a bunch of other phrases. First of all, I couldn't find many more examples that showed food images in these search results. I looked for cucumbers and hot dogs and hamburgers, all this kind of stuff. But every time I did see one, it was related to a recipe. So I personally think this is more about recipe results than it is food results as, as a whole. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I look at the uh, zucchini one here, uh, which we actually do, you got this in Canada. Woohoo! <laughs> um, <laughs> This you got Google and Right. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it just shows nutritional facts, and it looks like that's the case on the screenshot he has, too. But you said that when you do other ones, it shows recipes, eh? Yeah, yeah, and even the zucchini one. And, and all of them showed a knowledge graph over on the, the right-hand side. So there was a knowledge graph that had all that kind of information on the right-hand side. It was actually in the search results. Next to each of the individual listings, there was a little image like you might find um, next to a video result, or sometimes you see those in the news results as well. Interesting. Yes, yeah. well, good old knowledge graph. I like that they're adding all that information about the nutritional facts. That's cool. Yeah, they seem to be focusing a lot about on recipes, Google does. They're doing the images for recipes. They banned a bunch of recipe sites that are using schema markup spam. I'm not sure why they're focusing so much on recipes recently. I wonder if that's telling in any way. Yeah, it's a good question. I wonder if it's a market they're going to roll into. Hmm. How could Google monetize recipe industry? (laughs) Well, probably many, many, many ways. (laughs) Yeah. Certainly, I mean, look at the data they have. They can see what people are searching for. They go, "Mm, let's take this one and ruin a whole bunch of lives. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they already are monetizing the recipe industry. If you look there, I guarantee there's AdWords around every one of those recipes. This is true. Never mm-hmm. mind mobile. Oh, yeah, gee, please don't get me started there. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. We come back. Uh, wow, what a shock. More about Google. Although there is some more Bing news. <laughs> it's way down the list, but it's coming. It's coming. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Welcome back to SEO 101 on Cranberry.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So, Google is sending out notices to people with map listings uh so essentially your google my business or local listing yeah they change it all the time and that damn name for it but anyway and they're requesting more images so even if you have some already they're requesting some images and and it's baffling a few people because they're getting just like well what's wrong with the ones i have anyway just to give you an idea of what they're asking for there's and this is from uh, i believe this is verbatim from one of the emails this is interior photos add at least three interior photos to show customers what your business feels like inside exterior photos add at least three exterior photos to help your customers recognize your business photos at work add at least three photos that are representative of the services you offer <laughs> <laughs> uh how do you take a picture of seo that I start off very, very many. A lot of my presentations, anybody's heard me speak, that's exactly what I start off with. My photo of a search engine and SEO. So it's possible. <laughs> it is possible. Not exactly something we have on the wall here. But yeah. Team photos. Add at least three photos showing your management team and your employees, preferably not naked. I uh, did addition- not put that no. there. <laughs> it's not verbatim. <laughs> uh, I gotta have some a little bit of fun here and there. Okay, so additional photos. Add additional photos of your businesses that don't fit in in any of the other categories. Again, preferably not naked. All right. What if, what if you're a like a nudist resort? Yeah, so, might get uh, a little uh, Google uh, blur action going there. Interesting. It's interesting when you look at these categories of photos that they're asking for. They don't want product photos. It doesn't look like, except for maybe those three that are representative of your services you offer. They didn't say products you offer. They said services. So they don't want pictures of, you sell lawnmowers. They don't want pictures of three or four different lawnmowers. They want pictures and imagery about your business, which is really, to me, makes a lot of sense for what they're trying to do here. It is. Yeah, it does make sense. It's um, interesting they're not pushing my business view. I would have thought for sure in that email they'd say, or you can have contact us and have someone take photos and do video. And it, yeah, it, they, are they pulling they back the, on that again, I wonder? I don't know. They have the Google Certified Photographer Program. Have you seen mm-hmm. that? Yeah, yeah, and that's to become a Google My Business View photographer. Right. I've seen that. I've seen they actually now also have a service that you can connect to. I don't think they do it themselves, but they have recommended people that will basically do Google Maps of your the interior of your businesses, right? They'll basically they'll set it up as if it was a Google Map and you can walk through um, some real estate places are using this, malls are using this. Just like you're on Google Maps, they have the little arrows on the floors and you can walk from room to room and through doors. 
for the interior of your business, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, and I believe that's my business view. Is that the same thing? Yeah, as far as I know. Uh-huh. I haven't done much on it, but I've had a few clients I've had go through the process. And, you know, it makes sense. If you go through the steps of using Google to do Google My Business View, there's pretty, well, there's no doubt of your location. And that's part of the algorithm is Google just trying to determine whether or not you really exist in that business location. So, so, so do you think, and, and I haven't done this, so I, can, I don't have any quantified data or anything. Do you think if, if you had a business that used this, my view, and did the Google Maps, the interior, is that going to have an impact algorithmically on their local search rankings? I want to say yes, but I haven't done the testing. So it would be just... It would yeah. be guess. I mean, somebody's. It makes sense it. to me. It does, because again, part of the algorithm is just determining that you actually exist there. So it's it's mm-hmm. without a doubt that you do if you've gone through this step. The devil's advocate in me says, okay, that could easily look like Google's allowing you to pay for better rankings because you go in and you pay for the service and you well, get better rankings. You don't though, because it's only a portion of the algorithm. There's still a lot of other things, and I mean, look how well, much they've link, ranked up the link. ability of reviews okay. to be beneficial. Okay, links are only a portion of the algorithm. You're not allowed to pay for them. <laughs> Good point. But you're paying Google. It's okay with them. <laughs> oh yeah, if you pay Google, it's fine. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, look at paid ads. <laughs> yeah, but those don't impact your organic search rankings or your local search rankings. No, they just usurp them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there going, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear God. We're there, everybody. Brace yourselves. Yes, yes. Bing. My God, something about Bing. So Bing is allowing web verification. And this is kind of interesting. I mean, I like the idea. Frankly, Bing local verification has been a bit painful at times. However, now they're using web verification. And, and I love this because I don't really see how this works that accurately, but Quote, unquote, when you select this, it says, we will ask you five questions about the business that only the business owner is expected to know. Correct (laughs) answers to the questions will verify your business instantly. By choosing this option, you agree that Microsoft may share this information with DNB, I guess that's the company, for verifying your business. Dun and Bradstreet. Oh, right. And Dun and Bradstreet may use such information in accordance with a privacy policy. Blah, 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 blah. So... So wait a minute. Does that mean you could go to Bing? Bing asks you the questions that only the business owner would know. You go over to your Google tab. You speak the question. You get the answer. <laughs> go back to Bing. <laughs> uh, I want to see these questions. I'm gonna have to go through this just to see how verifiable these are. I, I gotta wonder. Yeah. What's the business owner's mother's maiden name? <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be a good one. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, the other, uh, a while ago, I saw these. One of the projects at my kids' school was to do your whole family tree, and I know this is very common. I think it's the worst security breach <laughs> ever to do your family tree. Hackers' dream, yeah. man. Look at all the data they're getting there. Anyway, that side crazy. Note. But it is nuts. You're getting everything. Maiden names. So basically, stuff. hackers just need to hack Ancestry.com, and they're good to go. They are. You're right. <laughs> if they don't, they probably own it. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they've owned it all along, it's just big, a big front. <laughs> exactly. Not that we're conspiracy theorists, but anyway. Okay, well, because we've got a whole bunch of questions, let's take a quick break, and when we get, and we can spend a whole bunch of time on them. We'll be right back. 
SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Is buying something that is made in the USA important to you? How do you know that it really is made in the USA? Certified Inc. is the only supply chain audit company on the planet which qualifies country of origin labeling. If it's important to you as a consumer to know where the products you buy and use in your own home come from, then it's also important for your customers. Visit us at madeinusa.net and find out more. Go to madeinusa.net because it's that important. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Welcome back to SEO 101 on Cranberry.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So we have a question here from Powell. I think that's how you say your name, Klasinski. Yep. Powell has asked, he says, I have an established website with decent amount of traffic and have just launched another one. Both websites are in similar niches, but target different types of customers. My question is, can an existing established website help the new one? Does it make sense to link these two together? And if so, should I use a single link or site-wide links? Should I use reciprocal links or just link the strong one to the weaker? Or perhaps it can hurt and I shouldn't do anything at all. <laughs> Thanks in advance. This is a very vague question. It's the first thing I thought is, well, it depends. And then I thought, well, it depends. And then I thought, well, it depends. It's like <laughs> one of those things, you know, there's, there's not enough, for me, there's not enough information about what these websites are. You know, why do you have two different websites for a similar niche? Why not one? If there's a very specific reason, then potentially the answer is yes. If there's not, then potentially the answer is no. It's, there's, I'm a bit hesitant to really jump into this one. Yeah, I mean, I try and answer a general question with a general answer, which is generally I don't like to link the two together if I can avoid it, if, just because they should stand on their own. However, <laughs> again, there's the buts. I guess it's trying to give an example. I mean, if you think about it, it could be as simple as one of them is a different language. It's not the case here. Then in those cases, yes, of course you'd link them together because they're different languages. and There's no reason to worry about any duplication anything of that, of that nature. Now, normally those would be in their own website, uh, in a single website, although some people like to get the foreign top-level domain. 
So, so let's think about this. He says both websites are in a similar niche, but target different types of customers. So an example of that might be you have two websites, one about baseball and one about softball, right? They're both very similar, a lot of the same things, but they're very different target markets, right? Now, when you talk about linking the two together, if the customer bases are so far apart, the baseball people aren't going to care at all about the softball stuff and vice versa. So there's no real reason to link them unless mm-hmm. you're trying to manipulate search. However, if you write an article on the softball site, for example, you have a blog post that talks about something that's relevant to baseball and you have a relevant piece of information on the baseball site, you can link from that article to the baseball piece of information specifically. I wouldn't do site-wide links, and I wouldn't just link to the homepage of one to the homepage of the other. If there's a very specific connection between the two that's relevant, then it makes sense. But other than that, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, the same example could be used for, you know, could be cars. That's a niche. But the people who like, you know, electric cars versus gas-guzzling trucks, those are two different sites. They're not really much use in, you know, I guess you could link them together in terms of text, inline text links. You're saying, hey, you know, you know, this is the mileage. If you want something with lower mileage, click here, and this will take you to, you know. I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a, that example, I'm a what if as well, right? What if the same business was selling trucks and electric cars? There's not really, if it's the same business, there's not really a reason to have two websites because it's the same business selling both those. You can have two sections of your site for sure. But if it was two different blogs, one was talking about all the stuff with electric cars, one was talking about how awesome trucks are, go America, right? Then I could see two different sites. So there's, there's always seems to be that, you know, let's qualify this a little bit first kind of question that goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you could have two different lots, one for trucks, one for electric. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> I've dealt with a lot of all dealers, and they all have multiple sites. And in almost every case, it was um, was a bad move. The only reason I think that it works for most auto dealers to have multiple sites is because auto dealers, in almost every circumstance, the manufacturer forces them to use a specific website for their car. So like the Chevy will say, you have to use this website for your Chevy cars. And then the Toyota says, no, you have to use this site. And if you're a dealer that deals with both of those, you have to have multiple sites. And usually it's because of a feed they're getting. Yeah, exactly. And the inventory, the way the inventory structure is set up. It's, I, I feel for auto dealers a lot because they, they're put in bad positions by the manufacturers when it comes to online many, many times. The best site I ever worked on was a motorcycle helmet site. And they did everything themselves. Their data feeds, everything. And their rankings were off the chart. Awesome. Because they nice. weren't going to be held accountable by these other listings. And mind you, they weren't being forced to use any other data feeds like some of the other ones are. But the more control you have and the more thought you put into a site design and all that stuff, uh, man, the the results are far, far better. Uh, just yeah. astounding. But I, th- I think uh, the general answer to this question specifically, though, is there's no reason if the, if the market audience is different. There's probably not a reason linked to homepage to homepage, definitely not site-wide. But if there is content on your site that interrelates between the two, if you link directly between the two related pieces of content, that does make sense. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think there's any incidence of, or, or reason for a site-wide link anymore. Right. Uh, no. Not between two sites. No. Uh, okay. Uh, the next question is from Pierre Antoine. He says, I need help for my breadcrumbs. 
Okay, let's add some context here. If my, <laughs> if my website has just two levels, do I need to put breadcrumbs in? Do you have examples or links to explain? So breadcrumb navigation is what we're talking about here, for those that don't know. They're often just a, a line uh, near the header of the page, so near the top of the page. It just says, you are here. And it will usually have a link to the homepage and then a little arrow, and it'll say the subcategory you're in and then the subpage that you're in. It gives you some idea, context of where you are within the sitemap. In general, my response would be breadcrumbs are great 99.9% of the time because they never hurt, and they can add some help. They, they add some context. So I don't see a reason not to add them. What do you think? I agree. I mean, there's no reason that they would – I don't think they can ever hurt. I can't even think of an example where they would cause you problems – and, and in his particular case, he's asking, he has a very flat site, right? So if there's not a lot of deep levels, he's like, why do I need breadcrumbs? And depending on your navigation structure, you might not need them if you have a very flat site, but they're not going to hurt you if you include them. Right. And, and in fact, breadcrumbs have been known to be used now in search. There's schema for breadcrumbs. Uh, so breadcrumb navigation could be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So there you go. I like them. I do too. Uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm gluten tolerant, so they have to be a different type. But anyway, gluten-free um, breadcrumbs is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm a glutarden. <laughs> okay, so the next question here is from Chris Clayton. Has anybody noticed a change in organic traffic from desktop and tablets since Google started to display four ads at the top on some search engine results? The reason why I'm asking is that I've noticed about around a 5% fall in organic traffic from desktop and tablets since it's been implemented. I know there could be a variety of reasons for this, but at the same time, the positions of the majority of my web pages have improved while click-through rates have fallen or stayed the same. Hmm. I hadn't done research on this, and it's piqued my interest, so I, want to do, I do want to look at it, but I thought maybe you might have. Have you got any input on this? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is... He mentions it's, he's only seeing this change on desktop and tablets, right? So we, we know that that's the only place where the, the ads were removed from the, the right-hand side. But they he's also... He's talking about the four ads at the top, though. The, yeah, the four ads at the top. But it's not mobile. But, well, no, hmm. because there used to be three ads at the top. And oh, right. It made it four ads at the top. I think that change, three to four, also happened on mobile, Right. So you went from three to four. I don't think there used to be four ads on mobile either. Is that I, I, I'd have to research that to give you a definitive answer. But I'm thinking if that's the case, then you would see that same 5% fall in traffic on all three, not just desktop and tablet. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd want to research that some to see if that three to four ad thing was also a change on the mobile side as well. Well, they right? did add more on mobile. Or actually, they made them bigger, didn't they? They made them bigger. Yeah. Um, as a result, there is some, you know, but, you know, it'd be a little longer, but really people already had to scroll to the second page for mobile. I'm not sure you would see a big difference. Or a big third difference. page if there were local results. <laughs> yeah. Well, right now, on simply like a search like Victoria BC Hotels, uh, the one I wanted to start a sample here, I have to go down a page and a half to get down to any standard organic. It's all paid and then local. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I personally, I've not seen it have a big impact on our news sites, but that's probably not an apples-to-oranges comparison or apples-to-apples comparison. Right. Well, I'm sorry, Chris. I, I, again, 
there's something, if anything, we need to get back to you on this. In fact, I'm going to add it to next week's list and, and see if we can find something or, or see if anything's come up. If nothing's come up, I won't mention it. But if it has, uh, we can maybe uh, touch base on this again. Mm-hmm. All right. Next and 5% seems, seems like a big jump because if you think about the search results and what types of click-throughs you get at the different positions, there are not many positions on the first page that get 5% of the click-throughs anyway, right? I think you have to be in like closer to the 3, 2, 1 positions to even get a 5% click-through rate on an organic search page. Yeah, it's but this was a fall in or 5% fall in organic traffic. Uh, that's a good point, yeah. Okay. So uh, next question is from Fred Sachs. What are the most important sharing or like buttons to place on a website to generate content-based backlinks? Well, first of all, the best thing you can do is first, of course, have great content that people want to share. And then oftentimes, they're going to find some way to share it no matter what. That said, my favorite, and again, this, I think this is subjective, really, because there's lots of ways of adding sharing links. There's the floating bars. There's the, the ones right below or right, and right above the articles or posts or whatever it is that you're talking about here. My favorite, though, is the Add This Pro. It's a plugin that you can install that gives you a lot of interesting metrics, including how many people have copied and pasted the bookmark and the traffic that comes from that. So not how many people have copied it, but the traffic that has come for people who have copied and pasted the bookmark uh, or the URL, which is something you don't get in analytics so it's it's a, it's a nice little add-on i think the piece of the question that, that immediately jumped out to me was he said most important share and like buttons like buttons don't mean diddly squat to me anymore you have to use the sharing buttons just getting someone to like a post on the website nothing doesn't mean anything um i mean it does a little bit but it's not nearly as important as it getting not someone to share a post yeah for but SEO. it's incredibly powerful for pay-per-click though because yeah. you can segment those people within Facebook once they've liked the page. It becomes its own entity within the Facebook graph. Right, for paid social. Yes. Right. Yes. So there's a lot of advantages there. And he, I mean, he doesn't specify either way. Of course, we're an SEO show, so... <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, he, knows, just, he yeah. does because he wants to generate content-based backlinks. And you're not going to get content-based sure. backlinks if Thank someone you. just likes the page. Very so you've got to do the sharing. Yeah. And, and add this has all that built in. Again, I think it's fantastic. It also um, offers some ability to add conversion pop-ups and such to the page. There's a lot of a lot of tools. Some of them aren't so seemly. Some of them are great. Uh, so, you know, check it out. Add and this. Something, something you didn't ask, but something I think we should bring up is when you're looking at social networks and you're trying to determine, okay, how can I best use these? Make sure that you understand which networks are best for your business or your website, right? Mm-hmm. Facebook, everybody just automatically jumps to Facebook, but Facebook may not be the best one for you. If, you, if you're a really heavy image-based site that has a female market, Pinterest is going to be the best one for you, right? Or Instagram. Or Instagram, right? So make sure that you understand. If you're a business-to-business type of uh, business, how many times can I say business? You might be looking at LinkedIn as, as one of the focuses of your social promotion or social, social um, amplification. So make sure you look at which networks and don't just automatically default to what the default ones are. Understand which networks are most beneficial to your business type online. Yeah. Well, for example, our, our dental marketing company, First.Dentist, we're trying to do some marketing. The last place we want to go to is Facebook to try and target dentists. Not to say there aren't any there. But it's, it's just 
they're not going to be interested in, in clicking anything at that point in the day if they're even on Facebook. I mean, these are busy people. Yeah, um, and what about people that use dentists? How many people are going to talk about and post about their dental appointments or their dentist on Facebook? I've actually seen one or two in the past. Mm-hmm. It's usually not good stuff, though. It's not good stuff, right? And I think there's a couple of industries where Facebook is never going to work. I've been approached a number of times by rehab facilities. They want to do social marketing. Well, no one's going to talk about their their (laughs) cousin or brother that needs rehab because they have a drug or alcohol problem on Facebook, right? So you got to find other ways to reach out to those kind of people in different networks. Well, you you know, to be fair, I mean, we would use Facebook to target uh, potential dental clients, like dentists, patients, I mean. Because it's not so much that we want them to talk about it, it's that we want them to see the ad and go, hey, there's this, this great place in your so, body. But, so, so the great thing about and I love Facebook advertising. Facebook advertising because of the demographic targeting, right? It's mm-hmm. so good. What kind of targeting can you do on Facebook for a dentist? Everybody it's needs the a dentist, yeah. right? But maybe you can, you can geo-target it. That's good. But everybody needs it. So it's not as functional as it normally is from a really good drilling down to your market-specific audience. Sure. You definitely lose some of the power that their marketing allows, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's a good show. We uh, filled that in big. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been a long one. So I hope everyone enjoyed well, we that. We had a bunch of great questions from our uh, – yeah. I think all those were from Google Google community, right? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Always awesome. Thank you guys so much for adding those. Mm-hmm. Well – uh, if you have any further questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on that community page. Easily found by searching SEO 101 on Google. You can also email me via lost at stepforth.com. And, uh, well, have a great week. Remember to see the future episodes which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Thursday on cranberry.fm. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 